BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. The most valuable thing about healthcare isn't the medicine or the technology. It's the people. The healthcare industry brings together brilliant, highly motivated experts. If you'd like to learn more about today's most unique game changers, then check out the Heart of Healthcare podcast right here on the Oscar Health Podcast Network. Join host Holly Teko, founder of Natalist and Rock Health, as she talks with the industry's most exciting experts. Check out the 23andMe episode, where 23andMe founder Anne Wojcicki shares the highs and lows of this journey, including getting an FDA warning letter, going public, and genotyping over 12 million customers. In an episode called The Crooked Truth About D2C Dentistry Startups, orthodontist and entrepreneur Dr. Ingrid Mora explains the state of venture-backed dentistry. The number of online companies offering mail-order invisible aligners is booming, but Dr. Mora says some are ruining people's teeth and harming their overall health. For more information, visit offscript.com slash shows. That's offscript, no T, dot com slash shows. The link will be in our show notes. Enjoy the show. Have you ever heard about a promising new medical treatment but wondered why it's not available for you or your loved ones? From Offscript Health, welcome to Before We Die, the podcast where you'll meet the medtech innovators who will share the hurdles, successes, and heartbreaking failures in getting their products to patients before we die. I'm Joey Brenneman from Offscript Health. Now, this is not a podcast about death and dying, quite the opposite. It is about the amazing technological advances in the medical industry that could potentially save lives. Today's innovation focus is Luma Therapeutics, a light-based at-home device for treating psoriasis. And our guest today is the founder of Luma Therapeutics, Evan Anderson. Joining me, as usual, are the Before We Die creators and panel of experts, Sandra Miller, John McMahon, and Craig Allman. Okay, so Sandy, Evan's story is a very interesting one. So maybe you can tell us a little bit more about him. So Evan Anderson is, um, by training, a biomechanical engineer. Before founding the company that we're going to learn about, Luma Therapeutics, Evan had worked for large medical device companies and startup companies. You know, so that's a, a great perspective to have to understand things that happen at the big company scale, to be on the front lines working sort of in sales as well as on the engineering side. So he had this tremendous um, background to go into starting his own company, Luma Therapeutics. So, you know, just one caveat is I'm an advisor to Evan's company, uh, Luma Therapeutics. So we want to always 
disclose uh, on this show, not only for ourselves, but when we have conflicts of interest. And um, the good news is that conflicts uh, of interest aren't necessarily bad. You just need to like talk about them. So we're just sort of modeling that best practice. And as we have guests on the show, you know, obviously, as someone's a founder of a company or an advisor to a company, they probably have some financial conflict of interest. Um, so we just want to be transparent about that. Um, and John was, you know, on the board of Luma Therapeutics. So, John, anything else you want to say about Evan? I knew Evan early on, and I think he's a great example of a, a founding engineer that really committed to something and really came up with a great product. The joy of this program is to introduce you to, you know, in depth to what these people really go through to try and get something to patients. So I think it's, uh, you know, the, the familiarity is hopefully uh, a positive. In the spirit of transparency, I've met Evan twice. And he's very tall. <laughs> so when you hear the interview, just imagine a very tall person speaking. I think that'll help. And this this is always very important. These details, I appreciate them. Helps fill out the story, especially in podcast land. So without further ado here, we bring you a very tall and a very interesting Evan Anderson. Hello, Evan Anderson. Thank you so much for being here with us today. Hi, Evan. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me, Sandy. So, Evan, help us sort of with the background. What motivated you to start your company, Luma Therapeutics? Well, it basically came from personal need, uh, which I think uh, many entrepreneurs, uh, they're, they're scratching an itch. This one, literally. I was working at a company uh, that I'd helped develop a wound care product for. And I was actually out training some nurses on how to use this product. And one of the lead nurses said to me, I, I was actually using my own ankle uh, to train them on a wound care product. She pointed at a, a spot of skin that was dry and flaky, been there for multiple years. It was itchy. I couldn't get rid of it. I put a bunch of cream on it and nothing seemed to work. She pointed out and she goes, you know, you've got psoriasis there. Uh, you really should get that taken a look at by a dermatologist. Uh, so that started the journey. And I basically, as a bioengineer, went and looked at all the different solutions out there. Didn't actually make an appointment with a dermatologist, but started to educate myself about what are the options for treating myself with over-the-counter solutions and what were the options for prescription solutions and really wasn't very impressed by what I found. So Evan, can you just help us understand what someone with psoriasis experiences? It affects everybody a little bit differently. On a very basic level, there's an overproduction of skin cells in an area, and it causes the skin not to do the things it's supposed to do. Mainly skin is there to protect your organs, right? To, to hold them all in. And it also is there to keep fluids in. And so what happens is when you have a really thick layer of cells, they lose their ability to hold in water and they dry out and they flake and the underlying skin becomes really itchy and irritated. And eventually, if you scratch it, it, it could bleed. Uh, th that, that skin becomes overvascularized. That means it's, it's being fed more nutrients because it's overproducing. And it becomes very difficult to treat because you've got this thick layer of plaque or skin that prevents you know, any kind of treatment from getting into where the, the problem is, which is kind of underneath the skin that's causing that overproduction. Wow. I really, I have to be honest, I just thought of psoriasis as a skin rash or a skin irritation. I had no idea the depth of what was happening. 
it's really an inflammatory disease caused by uh, overproduction of skin cells. And so some people are genetically predisposed if they have some underlying inflammation to show that inflammation on their skin. So tell us a little bit about what you actually found out there. Did anything work for you? Like I said, I was already using lotions and creams to keep the itching down. And those really were didn't work that great. I mean, it, it would sort of work, but then it never got any better was what I would say. And one of the things I found uh, that was specifically made over the counter for psoriasis was coal tar that often came in kind of like a Vaseline-like mixture. Coal tar is basically a byproduct of you know coal production. It, it, it basically stops the overproduction of skin cells. So it can be very effective for psoriasis. And generally, it's very safe. The thing was, is that it would stain my clothes and, uh, you know, the moment I put it on, uh, then it would be in my sock. Oh, that sounds very messy and uncomfortable. Where'd you go from there? So I started to investigate what are some of the other solutions out there. A typical solution uh, beyond an over-the-counter cream is a prescription steroid. So these steroids can be very effective for people with mild psoriasis. The thing about steroids that annoyed me is that they often weren't used correctly. You're supposed to taper on and off them. You're not supposed to be on them forever. And they're not really fixing the underlying issue, which is you've got some inflammation from the body and your skin is reacting negatively to that. It can reduce the inflammation locally, very, very locally. And that can be effective for some people. But the moment you stop taking it, the moment that psoriasis comes back. In fact, they have something called a rebound effect for a lot of people that try to get off steroids where the psoriasis actually gets worse. So I was like, that's telling me you're not really fixing the underlying issue. So what are the alternatives then? Beyond a cream or a lotion that's topical, there are UVB lights and other kinds of ultraviolet lights. A UVB light is a specific wavelength of light. It's a natural form of, of sunlight that we get the really cool thing about UVB light was oftentimes people go into remission for a pretty extended period of time. And when I dug into some of the kind of natural remedies, UVB light would come up often. In fact, one of the oldest remedies is you know people would be uh, sent to the, the Dead Sea uh, where it's actually uh, below sea level and people would sunbathe naked over at the Dead Sea. And that was highly effective uh, for getting rid of psoriasis. And so they developed these UVB lights for use oftentimes in a dermatology clinic. So because I had a mild form and you know, the reality is, is that most people have what's considered to be relatively minor, minor you know, in terms of the amount of area that affects, even though the effect on the person can be really significant. I didn't want something systemic. I was afraid that if I did something systemic that it could have you know, undesirable effect. Any drug that you take uh, is going to have some kind of negative effect. Yeah, I definitely feel like lately I've been hearing a lot more about psoriasis through drug commercials, and you hear the word biologic used a lot. There are some amazing drugs out there, and there is a whole class of new drugs called biologics, which are absolutely incredible compounds. They're basically complex proteins that stop the immune response in some cascade and that can be targeted for some of the uh, cascades of the immune response that cause psoriasis. So for people that have really severe diseases, these biologics can be amazing. I didn't think that was applicable for me, and I didn't think it was applicable for most people. They have some scary side effects, and they're extremely yeah. <laughs> expensive. What is somebody who might have moderate to severe psoriasis, what is life like for them? It can be really debilitating. I mean, it, it affects every aspect of their life. 
In fact, a lot of people with psoriasis, they would say that it's more debilitating than you know depression, various cardiovascular disease, uh, even uh, almost as bad as stroke. When you have psoriasis, it is visually very disturbing to people that don't know what it, what it is. It looks bad. It looks like there's something wrong with your skin. And the people that have it become really attuned to it and almost hypervigilant if people are looking at it often affects, you know, your elbows or your hands, areas that people can see or your legs or your scalp. Not only is it visually unappealing, but it can be very itchy and, you know, cause people a lot of distraction during the day or oftentimes when they're sleeping, then they're also not going out as much or when they do go out, they're covering themselves up. And so, that is a pretty significant effect for the people that have moderate, severe, and even for people that only are affected in a few spots, you know, they don't want to go out to the beach. They don't want to wear a sleeveless dress. Yeah. I, I would think that it could get very draining to be constantly thinking about it and how to cover it. And then it starts to affect your behavior and all of your choices. They can change their lifestyle because of it. So tell us a little bit about the solution that you developed at Luma. Yeah, absolutely. So as I dug into it, I realized there are some solutions that had been utilized pretty broadly that were pretty fantastic, but fell out of favor for various reasons. One of the things that was really intriguing to me was a solution developed uh, almost 110 years ago at the Mayo Clinic called the Geckerman treatment and or Gokerman, uh, depending on uh, who is pronouncing it. But he was a dermatologist uh, at the Mayo Clinic back in the early 1900s. And one of the things that he had hypothesized is that there's various causes for psoriasis. And to treat people effectively, you need to go after various modalities of that cause, you know, specifically. So he had developed a solution that utilized the coal tar that I was using that wasn't real happy with. He had covered it so that it stayed in place, didn't get over people's clothes. And also that made it more effective. It's called occlusion therapy. And then he combined that with UV light, ultraviolet light. Now, back then they had mostly UVA, but uh, now they had UVB. So as I looked into this, I said, you know what? This is only available at a few clinics now, UCSF, Mayo, uh, maybe one or two others, and it was incredibly effective. I said, well, if that works in a clinic, why can't it work in the home? I had a, you know, maybe a little bit of naive approach to this as a as somebody that works in the industry. Well, I, I can get it to work. Why don't I give it a try? And so I actually tried that on my ankle. I took some coal tar, covered it with a really advanced dressing that we had using at the wound care startup uh, that I was at, then uh, proceeded to go out and uh, on the days that I took it off, get natural sunlight on it. And within two weeks, I saw some amazing uh, responses. Within a month, it was pretty much gone. And that one spot, it's now seven, eight years later, that one spot has never come back. I was like, wow, this was amazing for me. Why can't everyone else get this? That's what really started me on the journey for Luma Therapeutics. Where did you go from Evan's ankle to the product that you developed at Luma? One of the things that I uh, had realized is that these UVB lights that people normally use at home are pretty cumbersome. The, the reason is because they use compact fluorescent lamps. And compact fluorescent lamps, if, if you're aware, those are the, the lamps that are you know in the ceilings that are you know really long, like six feet long. They're basically tubes 
cathode ray tubes that um, put out light. And those take a while to warm up. They wear out over time and they're just not that great for utilization in the home. Now, oftentimes they're used in dermatology clinics and they can be pretty effective there, but they're not inexpensive. And when I started to look at it, I said, you know what? There's a new class of lights that are coming out called uh, LEDs, uh, where they've been able to generate uh, UVB light from those. Why don't I put a bunch of UVB LEDs in a device and make something that's super easy to use locally for a small plaque? And then I said, well, what if I just kept the dressing on all the time, created a dressing that would allow the light to transmit directly through it to make it really easy for the patient to put the light in the same spot each time and make the treatment on a daily basis really convenient? It sounds like you're really thinking about how to make this accessible for the patient. I felt that there was an opportunity to do something really special for people that could be highly effective, maybe not exactly the Geckerman treatment, but pretty darn close to that Geckerman treatment at home. And the data around the Geckerman treatment was, was just amazing. The, the really cool thing about it was not only was it highly effective, it also put people in remission for an extended period of time. In some studies, up to five years on average. Yeah, that seems like a much better solution. And that's really what people wanted. They don't want to have to do this every single day. They don't want to have to go into a clinic, you know, once a week or three times a week to get UVB light therapy. I don't think anybody out there wants to be on an oral prescription drug, especially not a biologic, for the rest of their life. Psoriasis is a chronic disease. Once you have it, you know, it never really goes away fully. You're going to have to do some kind of treatment for an extended period of time. Again, somewhat naively, I thought that this is something that we could come up quickly and, you know, get it out there. It turns out it was a little bit more complicated than that. Well, I think you have to be naive or you would never venture down the path in the first place. I mean, if you know how hard it's going to be and how long it's going to take, you might not ever even start it. I love this image of you um, walking around and suntanning your ankle. But seriously, so you're moving forward to develop that for people to use at home. And then ultimately, you start using this with real patients. So the first thing that I did is once I had that opportunity, I said, well, I, I need somebody to fund this. And so the obvious choice was to go to the Mayo Clinic because that's where the uh, original idea had come from. They were extremely receptive to this. And they actually had a fund uh, within the Mayo Clinic to put money into seed ideas like this. Uh, it turned out that uh, one of the, the main stakeholders uh, or decision makers within Mayo Clinic was a dermatologist. And they gave me the initial funding. It was a few hundred thousand dollars in order to get this into our first feasibility trial to show that, you know, when you use occlusive therapy with coal tar and then provide UVB lights, you can get a really excellent result on patients. So in that first trial, we did eight patients uh, at a local clinic. You know, that product was pretty basic. That being said, the results were really fantastic. I knew enough from those first patients that this was something that a lot of people would want. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be Continued at scs.georgetown.com. 
edu slash podcast. So, Evan, let's hear from one of your patients. Can you set this up? So one of the patients that was uh, local, and this woman was really a pretty special case. She had three uh, small babies, triplets, and she struggled with psoriasis all of her adult life. And she really had a lot of pain from her psoriasis, especially on her feet. She was desperate. We started treating the bottom of her feet, which when you looked at it, it almost made you want to cry. I mean, it was just, this is a woman that was like so busy with all the things that she had going on in her life and she could barely walk. We didn't know whether or not our hydrogels would stick on the bottom of her feet, but we you know, came up with a solution, gave her some of these hydrogels, and over time, we were able to see some incredible results. It was really amazing. I was very surprised. I was expecting for it to take a long time to even start to see results. And within a few sessions, I was able to start to see and feel the results. What's really nice is that when you do it, it's kind of like the, the man behind the curtain at first. You put this little gel pad on and then you start doing the light therapy and every few days you change that. And when you take it off, you can kind of see the results and see what's going on. And being able to see that each time was pretty rewarding because you can see that it was well worth it. And and honestly, it was super easy for me because you start with a low amount of time for the light to get your body used to it. And then you gradually work up and, you know, being able to do a few minutes at a maximum at 30 minutes while I'm even doing work or while I'm watching TV or anything was really actually quite nice. And I saw a lot of great results. And I think just it allowed to have a feel positive and not feel like, gosh, I'm taking out all of this time because truly going for a session at the doctor could take up an hour, if not more, by the time you drive there, get out, get undressed, get in the booth and then get dressed again and drive back somewhere. It, it, it took a lot of time. And so I felt like it was really working for me in many ways. Okay, so glowing review from your patient. I mean, it worked for her and obviously really changed her lifestyle. So when can Luma's solution be available to, to patients broadly? You know, Sandy, I have some sad news to share with you. Uh, unfortunately, uh, Luma Therapeutics is, is no longer in business. We um, were not successful in getting this product broadly to the market for a number of reasons. But it sounded like you were on the right path and getting good results. So why did the company shut down? So we raised, end up raising about $7 million and we try to sell the product uh, through dermatology clinics. It turns out that it takes about 90 seconds to write a new prescription for a steroid and about 12 minutes to describe our product. And it was very difficult for us to convince dermatologists to spend that extra time. In medical dermatology, reimbursement's been cut a lot. It's more of a volume game for them, uh, for the dermatologists that they're trying to do what's right for the patient, but they also have business realities that they have to deal with. And so our online prescription funnel was working. We started to get some real interest uh, through some of the advertising that we're doing. We just needed to get our device in with all the major insurers to make sure that they would pay for it. Now, they probably would pay for it if the patient filed, but no patient wants to do that. They want us to take care of it. Even though we got a lot of people getting the prescriptions, it caused a number of those people to fall off when they saw that it would be difficult to get reimbursement. And so that was something that we underestimated. So as we struggled 
our major investor said, you know what, guys, we've kind of we're kind of fed up here. We don't want to put more money in, despite the fact that you're now on a really good course. You're hitting the numbers that we expected you to hit. We're tired of this. This was, you know, six years in. I couldn't get the funding closed. And when they said they didn't want to put more money in, we basically had to shut the doors and, and basically hand over the intellectual property. We closed about uh, two years ago. And um, it's really sad because I spoke to on a daily basis patients that their lives were changed by this therapy. And I believe that this is something that should be out there. Unfortunately, I couldn't make it happen. Yeah. And I, I know this is so hard to look back because, you know, you worked on this for years and, you know, we all have our situations with where hindsight is twenty twenty, and if only this and that, but certainly want to respect all the blood, sweat and tears that went into starting and, and growing Luma and, and obviously your commitment to bring this solution to uh, people with psoriasis. So absolutely want to acknowledge that. So, John, Craig, any, any questions from, from y'all? Yeah, I, I have a thought slash question. You know, it's pretty normal to have a company and not succeed for regular business reasons, right? If you were selling soda, oh, it's a good tasting soda, but life goes on. Here, you had what should ultimately be for millions of people a life-changing product for the whole country, a, a cheaper solution, a simpler solution. And it's crazy that that just disappears along with the company that didn't have the right timing or enough money. So what's happened to the IP? Can it, the product be revived? So we, we built up a pretty significant intellectual property portfolio that protected a lot of the things that we, we were able to invent. So our lead investor, you know, we basically had to hand that over to them. And it sits on a shelf at this point. I think that if someone was interested, it could be revived. I think there's something there. I think it's special. We could create something really powerful with it. It just requires somebody to you know, take the reins and, and put the money in to drive it forward. From a broader perspective, though, Craig, one of the things that we kind of underestimate as a society is how complex our US healthcare system is and how sometimes perverse incentives can effectively block what can be a lower cost, more effective solution from actually getting broadly adopted by the market. Biologic and systemic drugs that don't cost much to produce and are you know, making big pharma billions and billions of dollars a year. The largest one is Humira. It's a $20 billion a year drug and doesn't cost them much to produce. If you try to go to market against something like that, if you have something that could potentially take some patients away from a company that produces a, a very profitable product like that, you're in uh, in trouble. It's it's very difficult to get that product out there. So I'm not sure how to fix that, but our healthcare system really impedes innovative and lower cost solutions to get to market and, and broadly adopted. When you talk about the challenges, the scale, from what I understand for Humira, is $77,000 to the company and zero out of pocket to the patient, right? So what were the numbers for Luma? When it's reimbursed, a light therapy for home use is about $1,500. Typically, you can estimate that a patient would be responsible for a 20% copay. 
So the patient would pay $300 out of pocket and the company would make $1,500. And for our product, we could be profitable uh, with a nice margin that would allow us to continue to develop new products and put more money into R&D and clinical trials. So if you look at the magnitude of the difference between a, a biologic and something like a light therapy that arguably has fewer side effects, they're pretty significant. And that is what it is. And that's the way our healthcare system works today. When you're reaching out to patients now, do you think there's a, a change since of COVID, for example, that more patients are both want to get something from home and are getting their health care online, that it would be a better fit now than it was two years ago? Oh, absolutely. You know, I'd say about half the time people would say, oh, I don't know if I want to get a prescription online. I'm used to seeing my dermatologist in person, even though it takes six weeks to three months to make an appointment. I think now, you know, since COVID, telemedicine in general has become more widely adopted by a majority of consumers. And if you look specifically at dermatology, it, it's kind of a broken system. There are a lot of patients out there that have to wait uh, an extended period of time to see a dermatologist. And I think that if you came up with a solution today, it could be much more widely adopted and it would be easier to bring this product to market in the U.S. through a teledermatology channel. Well, Evan, it will be interesting to see what the future brings. But in the meantime, I just want to thank you for sharing your story with us. And we wish you the best on your next venture. All right. Thank you very much. That was fun. Okay, so welcome back, everyone. And uh, wow, what an incredible interview and story from Evan Anderson. I, I, I don't know, I'm kind of struck by this idea that you have a successful product, and then the fallout comes in getting it to patients. Like it seems like, oh my gosh, it got to this great place. And then to not get it to that next level just left me a little bit, I don't know, it's very... Um, not so rewarding storytelling. I'm sure it was harder for Evan, but what do you guys, what are your takeaways from Evan's story? In our field, failure is, is a learning curve. These are your children when they don't mm. make it. So that's Ugh. true. That's rough. But he's off now doing another project with all that experience, and he's just going to excel at that. So when these don't succeed, you're not discarded in this industry mm. at all. It's just that you you better make a new mistake. Right? <laughs> you better find new challenges. You you uh, uh, so those insights because it's real time and it's dynamic. Uh, it's uh, having scars are valuable in this field. Well, that's well said. People don't disappear necessarily, but ideas do. And that's, to me, the most frustrating thing that, OK, the Mayo Clinic had an idea on how to treat a really awful disease to get, which is psoriasis. Right. And that's been around for 100 years. No one picked up on it. Evan really mastered it, added new technology to it, really improved the product, got great results. And now the product's nowhere. Right. And if you tomorrow wanted to start a, a similar company with the same idea, well, they've got all the IP and that's tied up mm. and it's just sitting in someone's file uh, in their desk. And it's amazing how many good ideas fall through the cracks. Yeah. Uh, this isn't a meritocracy. This is much more random than that. 
yeah, I guess we just don't want it to take another hundred years. You know, it seems like he said that it was a hundred years ago. We don't want it to take another hundred years for someone to get some relief, I would think. Absolutely. The other thing, building on Craig's point that is, I think is important is that sometimes there are these projects that start maybe in big companies mm-hmm. and big companies have, you know, have to make strategic decisions. And sometimes they put some of these things that they develop in-house, they put it on a shelf. And occasionally, you know, and these are some of the hero sort of stories in in this whole space, occasionally you'll hear great stories of someone who licensed that technology from that big company because it was really something that was early enough that it didn't necessarily fit to do all that validation and testing and so forth inside a big company. You know, and they often have, you know, millions of dollars of R&D money and other money into them. But sometimes, occasionally, some of those things actually ultimately get to the market and a startup made it happen. They're sort of like heroes and villains in all of this. And, <laughs> you know, and people, you know, stories to cheer, cheer about. Well, we are here for all of it. There's also the issue of timing, too. And, and mm. uh, innovation is very similar to comedy that way, and that the, the secret is all about timing. So he had an idea on a product that really could succeed with telehealth, but he was doing it two or three years before telehealth was an accepted uh, medium. And now there are innumerable companies who are easily raising tons of dough to do telehealth this, that, and the other, and to have platforms for telehealth. It's funny you bring that up because a group he's now working with, he's leveraging that experience uh, in his next role. So he's in the telehealth field now. Oh. So he's he's heard he's heard that timing and and he's you know leveraging that experience. Okay, well that is good to know. And we're just going to have to invite Evan back when he is on to his next big thing. That is our show for today. Say goodbye everybody. Sandra Miller. Bye everyone. Hope you enjoyed it. Craig Allman. Goodbye everybody. Thank you. And John McMahon. Thank you Joey and uh thank you Sandy and Craig. Always a pleasure. Thanks John. Also, we want to remind you that you can listen to our Lab Before Slab mini episodes where Sandy, John, and Craig geek out about other fascinating happenings in the med tech world. Our hope is that some of the cutting edge technology that you hear about on this show, like Luma Therapeutics, will reach the patients who need it before we die. Until next time, thanks for listening. Before We Die is an Offscript Health production. The executive producers are Matthew Zachary and Andrew McDowell. Our senior producers are Joey Brenneman and Ariel Nachman. Before We Die is mixed by Kyle Moore. Our Before We Die panel of experts and creators of the show are Sandra Miller, John McMahon, and Craig Allman. If you like the show, ratings and reviews are always welcome. Leave us a message at 855-AUDIO-66. That's 855-283-4666. Share your healthcare stories with us, and we might just play them on the air in a future episode. For more information, visit offscript.com. That's offscript, no T, dot com. <laughs>